everybody, I'm Maya. I'm Melissa. And I'm Olivia. And we're here to take you back to your Twilight phase. Listeners, we were in a fight right before this. Could you tell from our intro that Melissa's in a bad mood? You're in a fight. Because I'm in a bad mood now. They're judgy. Make judge your sins. Well, now that you've said that, feel weird. Now that you've said that, we have to tell the listeners. I mean, I wasn't going to tell the listeners, but we have to tell the listeners now. Listeners, sometimes when I eat chicken, I also happen to eat the bone. I don't really understand the mechanics of this. I genuinely thought that she was just like lying and like, like. (laughs) They're making me feel our so legs. bad about it. Like, I've just, I, I've never heard of it. It sounds, it sounds unpleasant. It sounds what? It sounds unpleasant, what, Olivia? Sounds unpleasant. I would like to clarify in case and also any, I'm sure listeners have questions. When <laughs> she says she eats the bone, she does not mean that she, you know, like sucks out the marrow and picks it clean and then puts the bone down. She means she consumes <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Whole part no, of Lisa, the, it's all part of the process. My primary um, emotion is that that sounds impossible. Over and above like any other feelings I have about it. It's just never occurred to me to keep it gnawing is, it until is, it goes away. Olivia, the next time you eat chicken, are you going to be looking at the bone? I'm just going to be sitting like, there like, huh, it's I'm intrigued. You know what? It is earthly matter, just like the rest of the chicken. Of course, right. it's consumable. I, 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 I just don't agree with that premise. You know what, listeners? I need one of you <laughs> to email us and tell me that you also eat chicken Please, balls. please, 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 email in and tell us the truth that you, like, don't lie and say that you eat chicken bones. Tell us the truth that you well, now, anytime anyone emails us about it, you're going to assume that they're lying No, now that I've asked them kindly not to lie, I will assume that none of them are lying. Right, I listeners? I really want someone <laughs> to back me up because it's not that weird. Okay, I think this is a strong start. Uh, do we have any listener letters to read? We do. I want to say that I think that we really started today all kind of grumpy. Um, and then the bone thing happened, and then it got went off the rails. Okay, but I think um, on any regular day, we would have argued about that just as much as we It's true, been. but it's just the overall vibe was different because we were going in grumpy. Um, you see how my response was really quick there? That's the residual grumpiness slowly leaving our bodies. Okay, so we have a listener letter. Um, I really like this, um subject line although i really like a lot of your guys' subject lines <laughs> this one is spend that vampire money bella and the s and spend is a dollar sign yeah. um and it's our friend other olivia. <gasps> other olivia if i were bella i would this is back when i was like bella spend his money if i were bella i would demand that edward give me an allowance which he obviously would because he's a simp and then i would use it to start a fund <laughs> buy new clothes for all the va- werewolf boys who keep tearing theirs up Aww, <laughs> fantastic so kind redistributing the wealth oh yeah um, I definitely use all the money just for me so i mean you wouldn't even need an allowance for that you could just be like alice you know it would be a really fun activity 
creating a wardrobe for every single werewolf boy I know. Inventing an expandable wardrobe. <gasps> yeah, like oh a superhero God. suit. Like it's super elastic, so right. it stretches elastic with them. They can spend their infinite money on inventing, a, like creating Elastigirl's suit for the werewolves. Yeah, exactly. but in But in jorts. Imagine the werewolf's like, where's my super jort? <laughs> what do you need to know? <laughs> you imprinted on me. I'm the greatest good you're ever going to get. <laughs> wow, what a crossover. <laughs> um, then our pal Liren wrote in. Oh, um, to be clear, these are not people that we know in real life. It's just no. if you write in, you're our friend. You're automatically <laughs> Automatic. a pal. I love the question that Liren poses here. Um, so she had a dream where she was Bella and her boyfriend was Edward, and then Edward cheated on her. Um, and she's like, would Bella forgive Edward and stay with him if he'd cheated? The answer is absolutely she would, because she would <laughs> yeah. be like, well, of course he did. He's so beautiful. He's like a Greek god, and I'm a little potato. And if I were a beautiful, strong vampire, you know, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Okay, sure, is this sure. is this like a true cheating while they are dating, or is it cheating on their quote unquote break? Or is it like he's Ooh. holding hands with his quote best friend? <laughs> <laughs> he's like holding hands with Tanya. <laughs> Maybe Bella needs to think about it that way. Would you like if Edward <laughs> held hands with Tanya? Would you like that? I think you're right. And it doesn't matter what the answer is to any of these questions are. <laughs> and she would forgive him. She would forgive him. Because, yeah. like, uh, like, in addition to her own insecurities about herself, Edward can convince her of, like, absolutely anything. It's very true, unfortunately. Luckily, he so. uses his power for good most of the time. Uh, well, well. Most of the time. Most of the time. Liren the time. mentions that, of course, Edward would never cheat on her. But if he did, Bella would probably think it was her fault. And mm. I would like to propose that I uh. think Bella wouldn't necessarily see it as her fault. I think she would see it as like a no-fault situation. Like, oh, this is just how things are. Of course, right. he's so beautiful. Like... It's I... not my fault that I'm so ugly and normal, but it's just, <laughs> just a, there's no I, fault. my mom and dad's you. fault. I feel you, but like I also understand Liren's point of like Bella could make anything her fault. She'd be like, "Well, I'm so ugly, I'm just so boring and and normal, and of course he would cheat on me." So like in a convoluted way, it's obviously my fault. Because, you know, she got that, like, martyr complex. So true. You know what? True. <laughs> um, we have another one from our pal CJ. But CJ, you know what? We're going to save it for next week because I feel like it's really relevant to what we discussed this time. But, like, maybe we should discuss what we're going to discuss uh, yeah, this we time need first. Context. Yeah. Okay, great. All hey, right. Ready? Well, <laughs> listeners, thank you for um holding with us as we skipped last week if you yes. didn't listen to our little like five minute thing that we did put up too what late. happened was that yeah too late because we're gonna take it down <laughs> so limited edition but what happened was that we had to record late in the week and then once we started doing the reading we were like ooh, 
this chapter is one of the extra racist chapters and we Mm -hmm. feel like we should like do some more research and be able to like be a little more prepared before talking about it but by then we had run out of time so we couldn't do the research and read and record so we skipped the week and by we maya means her Her. so shout out to (laughs) maya for insisting that we be prepared because (laughs) you were very right and i feel much more prepared this week than i would have been last second last week very true (sighs) Love it. And so am I, because I didn't know a lot of the stuff that I now know. Last yeah, week. I learned stuff. Yeah, I learned okay. cool stuff. It's important. Whose Learning turn things. is it to recap? I think me. But here we go. I believe in you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, look, listeners, we all made up. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> you just reminded me. <laughs> No, I'm no, I'm mad. Ooh, so mad. No. Oh, my oh, my neck hurts so bad. That can be my penance if you want. Okay. Your neck already hurting, which wait, there's a part in this undo. chapter where Bella talks about like Leah feeling maybe like she got like justice brought because Emily's face is all yeah, that was fucked up. Yeah, that just reminded me of that. Anyway. <laughs> Justice. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Bella is at what did they call it last time? The werewolf shindig. It's a werewolf yeah. soiree. Oh, the soiree. Yeah. <laughs> Bella is at the werewolf soiree. All the guys eat a bunch of food. Um, hot dogs. Billy, mostly uh, hot dogs. Yeah, like packets and packets of hot dogs <laughs> each. She's um, <laughs> hot dogs. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity <gasps> dog. What is that from? Oh, I'm not Listeners, if you know what that hot dog song is from, please let us know. <laughs> Email us. Um, anyway, so she watches. Dog? No, never mind. <laughs> she watches these guys eat a truly bananas amount of food. Um, then Billy tells several stories that um, Stephanie Meyer just completely invented that are largely divorced from real quill you legends and it's just like but they're really... framed as but yeah they're framed the real thing right? as like yeah being as the, the real, real thing um and it's just racist and we'll get into the specific stories later and then at the end one of the stories bella really identifies with the third wife who kills she like sacrifices herself <laughs> um and then like she falls asleep and wakes <laughs> up and Jacob has like lifted her and put her in the car and called her dad and called Char like called Edward and it's like Ooh, what a why don't you just slip. like nudge her and be like hey it's time to go do you want to call your fam like what did Jacob say to Charlie was he like hey yeah so Bella's asleep but um Edward's gonna bring her home what um, yeah, and then the that's chapter ends. that's my recap <laughs> That's okay. an accurate description. I'm going to give you like a, a six. like a provisional eight, but I think we need to recap each of the, the stories. actual stories. The listeners got to know. It's true, but I was just like, oh, we'll get to it, you know? <laughs> like, we are. We're going to get sure. to it yeah. right now. So what I'm getting from that is like, I'll take my provisional eight <laughs> and my six and just like call it a seven. <laughs> 
Which I'm fine with. Okay, but you have to recap the stories first. Yes, it is a provisional eight. Provisional. I could I could tank it at any time, Maya. Wait, what's well, that line from Beauty <laughs> being the Beast? This pro de- provincial life. Provincial. This provincial life. Something, <laughs> something, something I'll make bell my wife. <laughs> Okay, so they're around the fire. They're eating, like, disgusting amounts of hot dogs. And Jacob drinks a full two liters of soda by himself. I would Uh, vomit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The people there are, you know, all the wolf boys. Whatever, just all of them. Uh, (laughs) Billy and Quill's grandfather, Old Quill. Old Quill. Sue, who I forgot was in this chapter because I don't think she says a single word. No. Uh, Leah and Seth. Even though... They're not wolves. Neither of them is a wolf yet, right? Yeah. Right. I think that maybe Leah is at this point, but But you don't don't know. know. Yeah, because remember, like... That's possible. Maybe it's later this chapter. It was in last chapter. Like, Jacob started to say something, and then he, like, stopped really suddenly. I think mm-hmm. that was him, like, wanting to say something about Leah, but the magic is that he can't. Um, she says, from the way Billy and Old Quill spoke to Sue, it sounded to me like she'd taken Harry's place on the council. Did that make her children automatic members of Lapush's most secret society? So I want to start right away with, uh, you know, some research. That I Wait, did. before we do research, can I make a quick joke? Because it will be inappropriate yeah. after the research. Yeah. <laughs> um, La Push's most secret society. New York's hottest club is. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke. Um, oh. As you were. <laughs> That's a good joke. So, like, between that, Sue supposedly taking Harry's place, and um, very soon after when Jacob is like, oh, well, this is, like, technically a council meeting, um, Billy's gonna tell some stories that aren't just stories. Th- this is th- this is not how the Quileute Council works. Um, Sue would not just take her husband's place on the council, and the council is not like three people who and some teenagers who hang out <laughs> on a cliff. Like, you know, they have like a modern, complex tribal council made up of elected members who serve if I remember correctly, staggered three-year terms. Like, they, they have, like, real meetings and, right. like, real, like, you know. It is not, in fact, the club. <laughs> and women are not on the council because their husbands happen to die. Women are chosen. on Yeah, elected council. to be on the council through their own qualifications. Yeah. So... I do want to preface all of this by like, you know, we read some stuff and watched some videos, but we are not experts. We're here to do our best and present what we have found out to the best of our ability from the Quileute people. So do your own research also. Um, They've provided like a lot of information. Their website is great. I have a link to a YouTube video that I would like to post, like, maybe in the body of I think we could do a couple of links, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Because as we get into the stories section of this, I think it's important to note that, like, a lot of indigenous tribes, including the Quileutes, like, traditionally have oral storytelling traditions. Um, And so there's some, like discussion over whether it's even like appropriate to write down 
stories that are meant to be told and like remembered orally because like that doesn't really capture the experience of them and as we tell you guys a little bit about what we've learned of like actual Quileute legends um it it really would be more appropriate for you to hear it from a Quileute person than us being like well this is what we learned and what we think is correct and you're gonna get like better pronunciations even though you know we practiced and we'll do our best but like definitely go follow some of the links scroll scroll down after this follow some of the links um you'll be glad you did i'm glad i did do what stephanie did not (laughs) (laughs) you know as far as we can tell she read a website and then changed everything that she learned (laughs) and i think it is also important to say that it's easy to kind of be like look who cares why does this matter nobody would even know about them if it weren't for twilight and this is a book about vampires and werewolves yeah obviously obviously none of it's real but like no beloved no (laughs) no beloved no because Imagine, okay, well, actually, this just happened with Netflix and The Queen's Gambit. There was this um, female chess player whose name escapes me, um, but she's like a real woman who lived, and a bunch of other people made up in this story are, like, invented, but she's real. And they talked about her, and they were like, oh, yeah, she's like a really strong woman player, but she never played the men. But the real woman is like, what the fuck are you talking about? I played men all the time. Why would you say that about me? What a weird detail. Very similar to this. These are real people. Why would you just make shit up about them? And they're not just real people. They're real people who have historically been ignored and left out in this country and their origin story is not something that everybody knows and comes to this book and it's like oh that's different from the real Quileute origin story that I know because we didn't we didn't know it none of us know it legitimate information that she has which is right not the case yeah and I think if you are like grappling with these ideas for the first time it is easy to be like well you know who cares if it's not accurate but it is important to them and so it does matter like imagine for a lot most of our listeners grew up in the united states and the united states is like a very heavily christian country imagine if somebody wrote a book and like jesus was in it and jesus was like i don't know this happened to Dan Brown. Everybody got uh, pissy about Dan Brown changing, uh, like, the Mary Magdalene story. And, like, guess what? We all know the real Mary Magdalene story, and we know what he made up and what's different from the regular story, and people still got mad about it. Yeah, people still got mad. I didn't even know that story, but that's great. <laughs> telling me. Like, the stories that are important to you are important, and these kinds of stories especially are literally sacred, you know? Like... Jesus is sacred and origin story to the Quileute people is like, you know. It's true sacred. that it is their origin story. Like, it's not even just like some random. St- like, the second story that Billy tells is just sort of like a random story from their history that he has made up. But, it, like, she also talks about their true origin story, which is sort of that, like, extra level of like, well, it's actually important. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it matters. Um, 
And if you still don't understand, well, go look at those resources we were talking about because then you can hear Quill you people explaining why it matters. Head out of your ass. (laughs) Get your head out of your ass. Like, apparently, I read about this guy who's like, yeah, I was on the council and people kept calling and writing in to be like, hey, where does Jacob live? Yeah. It's like, (laughs) fictional. Which really, like, undermines, you know, as people in children's publishing, sometimes we're like, yeah, children understand the difference between fiction and nonfiction. Like, it's not, kids know about made-up stories. And then you hear about people who call the Quileutes to ask where Jacob lives. And it's like, ooh, maybe... Maybe they don't know. Maybe I'm overestimating Maybe we need to, like, revisit that lesson. Yeah. It was interesting to hear some of them talk about, you know, there was some good that came out of the Quileutes being in this story because, you know, we certainly probably wouldn't be talking about them or their histories if they weren't right. in There's this book. Right, there's not a lot and... of media with popular representation of Native characters, especially in love triangle situations and so it is nice in that regard but also do your job (laughs) it feels like such a missed opportunity like all of the good that they do get from the representation in this saga could be so much better right Right. like there's like tourism dollars yeah mostly it's the tourism (laughs) yeah and you know like the move to higher ground initiative gets a lot more attention because of their connection to twilight Right. But, like, there was also a lot of harm, and the harm could have been much more mitigated, and the benefits could have been larger. Yeah. Also, Stephanie herself has given no money to them. They have received benefits in other ways by being in this book, but Stephanie herself has not given them money. Like, imagine if your next-door neighbor wrote about you in a book, (laughs) made up a bunch of weird lies about you... And then it becomes super popular and people are outside your house all the time. People are always asking you questions, thinking the lies are real. And like in some ways it's good because you started in Etsy and like you're <laughs> glad that Etsy's doing all right. But your neighbor has given you nothing. They're getting a lot of money for yeah. the story about you. They tear down their house and build a palace. <laughs> And you're living in the same house with your Etsy store, and your neighbor gives you nothing and is like, well, you should be happy because now you have an Etsy. (laughs) Fuck. Stephanie Meyer. Oh, my God. (laughs) Do you know how to use Venmo? We can help. All right, so we're back to the stories. This very next section is when Bella is like, I wondered how horrible it was for Leah to have to sit across the circle from Sam and Emily. I couldn't help but compare Leah's perfect features to Emily's ruined face. Oh! That word! She uses that word again! Ruined! Stop! What did Leah think of Emily's scars now that she knew the truth behind them? Did it seem like justice in her eyes? What what the fuck? It's not Emily's fault! Like, talk about victim blaming. And also, scars don't ruin you. Also, right, she's still, she's not ruined. She's still just as good as she was before. Thank you. And And also, if you're going to blame anybody, blame Sam. Yeah, blame Sam. And thirdly, I don't think Leah probably thinks that because 
aren't they best friends? They're like cousins, They're cousins. and shit. They're cousins. And also, you broke up. It happens. It happens. It happens. Yeah, it sucks, and it happens. People are you allowed dated to fall in love with for like a few years through high school, and then. Right, but I do think it's important to to remember that this is Bella's thoughts about Leah and it's Emily, true. It's not, not Leah. necessarily what Leah is actually. Leah's thinking. just sitting there, right? She's Poor Leah. literally just like <laughs> I was invited to this council meeting and I found out there's werewolves, and Bella's over here thinking that I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, and then yeah, right after that, she's talking about Seth, like cute little Seth. Okay, so Seth reminds her of Jacob, a younger Jacob, and it says, The resemblance made me smile, and then sigh. Was Seth doomed to have his life change as drastically as the rest of these boys? Was that future why he and his family were allowed to be here? She is very quick to call becoming a werewolf doomed when she is signing up to be a vampire. (laughs) What is so much worse about being a werewolf than voluntarily becoming a vampire? And, like, technically, we find out that, like, they become werewolves because of the vampire. So I'm like, Bella, by you becoming a vampire, you're literally contributing to the supposed problem of these people becoming werewolves. And almost everything that Jacob has said about being a werewolf that's negative is, like, uh, I hate that you're in love with a vampire instead of me. <laughs> and I hate that, like, I don't have privacy. On the whole, he thinks it's awesome. Yeah. It's not doomed. Uh, and then she's mean about Kim. Jared. God, yeah, the part about Kim, Kim is, is so awful. Do you want to read it? It's 242. Okay, yeah, I'll read it. Kim is the girl that... Uh, Jared imprinted on in, in in class, you know, the most recent one. Um, and Bella says, my first impression of Kim was that she was a nice girl, a little shy, and a little plain. She had a wide face, mostly cheekbones, with eyes too small to balance them out. Her nose and mouth were both too broad for traditional beauty. Her flat black hair was thin and wispy in the wind that never seemed to let up atop this cliff. <laughs> that's it <laughs> we're like one oh, you think so she she's ugly is what you're just like all right okay <laughs> and she goes on to say like but the more i watched jared admire her the more i saw like, beautiful things about her and it's like this was so impolite you literally could have been like when i first looked at her to be honest i did think she was kind of plain but the longer i looked at her the more beautiful she became and i saw what jared saw you did not have to describe go on at length yeah at all the things that are wrong with her you are not beautiful once some man decides that you're beautiful like it's not because someone now loves her and is her soulmate that all of a sudden her previously very plain features are like worthy of 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 beauty notes like that's not how this works girlfriend okay point melissa go to therapy go to therapy and also (laughs) of course her looks don't fit traditional beauty traditional beauty as bella conceives of it is like a white western beauty standard whitey mcwhiteness yeah and kim isn't white so it's also just you know whiteness is the most beautiful way to be and it was also like 
okay, I need to prove that imprinting can overcome any obstacle. And the obstacle she chose was Kim is ugly. <laughs> this is how. You know what I mean? Like the, like the point of this. Fully ugly. Kim's a little plain. <laughs> but like, wow, imprinting is so powerful that a man can be obsessed with a girl who isn't is... beautiful. Wow. Isn't that so magical and it's amazing, guys? And <laughs> you know, Bella does try to like, she says, I felt like I better understood what Jacob had told me about imprinting before. <laughs> it's hard to resist that level of commitment and adoration. And also, the only thing that we got now is that Jared thinks that, like you know, Kim's apparently plain face is very beautiful. And I'm just like, why are we focusing on how legitimate her beauty is as like, oh, okay, well, I guess it makes sense now, imprinting, right, why right. someone would be into it. Right. Like, what if she was just, like, shy and didn't talk very much, but, like... She made little asides to Jared, and he thought it was, like, the funniest shit he'd ever heard in his life. (laughs) exactly! Like, he doesn't have to think that she, like, I don't know, farted the sign. (laughs) But she did. She did, though. Obviously. And also, I feel like it overlooks the fact that that's also just how love works. Like, the more you care about someone the better looking they get to you. And that's very true, yeah. Over time, like, that's... But, like, also, regular. how well do they even know each other right now? Because that's the thing It doesn't matter because it's imprinted. Right. It's Magic. Just, it's, he doesn't it's have just to know instant. her. He doesn't have to know her. Nope. And apparently she doesn't have to know him. Which is good, because she doesn't. Right. Um, <laughs> so, then okay. the stories begin. Yeah. Do you want to give us the rundown of the first story do we want to like go through stephanie's story and then where she... yeah i think so i think start with stephanie and then like okay. break it down okay um yeah i'll give the rundown so everybody like gathers in around the fire i think this is a great detail emily gets out a notebook and a pen and <laughs> listeners she's feverishly writing the entire time um <laughs> So I really get the impression that she's, like, not missing a word. But she has been there before, so I'm like, what's going on? Um, Is she going to do a newsletter? What's happening? Anyway, so the first story, Billy tells the story of the spirit warriors. Yes, Yes, this is the story of how we came to be, the story of the spirit warriors. So he says that the Quileutes have been a small people from the beginning and still are. But they have been able to persist because of the magic in their blood. Um, Before they had the ability to shapeshift, they had the ability to be spirit warriors. So, like, building ships and being fishermen has always been very important to the tribe. And so, one day, like, a larger tribe tries to take over their land and the Quileutes are forced onto their ships and like to take to the water to escape and the men their spirits leave their bodies behind and travel back to their land and they can't like physically touch the tribe that has invaded but they can command animals to attack them they can like call up giant winds to scare them and basically they scare off the invading tribe um 
and the women back on the ships like watched over the bodies and then they get this reputation as like you know spirit warriors and so other tribes know to fear them and not to mess with them essentially and that's how it like begun um generations pass and there is a chief the last great spirit chief taha aki and he has there's like another guy in the tribe utlapa who desires power and he wants to take over the surrounding tribes um and because when they're in their spirit selves they can read each other's minds the way the wolves can they see that Utlapa has this desire and they don't like that so he's cast out and he spends some time stewing thinking considering um and he sees an opportunity so he waits for Taha Aki to leave his body behind and Utlapa takes over Taha Aki's body kills Utlapa's body like his own body so that Taha Aki's spirit cannot inhabit it and then he goes back to the tribe and impersonates Taha Aki and Taha Aki's spirit is like watching um and is like oh no Utlapa is a terrible leader he's really running things into the ground and essentially one day in a moment of crisis, Taha Aki's spirit, like, goes into a wolf. Um, and then he wants to attack Utlapa. I'm kind of forgetting. There's a lot going on. Yeah, but no. in so... that moment, they, like, fuse. Because his rage is too powerful for the wolf's body. Mm-hmm. And so he can turn back into himself. And from then on, he, he, he can be his wolf form or man form. Oh, and he kills Utlapa and, like... Yeah, it's, like, a little long-winded, but, like, eventually he takes back over, and he is, right, he can now change between wolf and man. He does not age. This is the beginning of the whole werewolf. The werewolves, right. Um, And once he has sons, once they reach manhood, they, too, can transform into wolves. So, um, after that point, the whole spirit warrior thing is kind of left behind, Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have them, like, being wolves and spirit warriors overlapping. It's, like, once right. the wolf thing starts, they lose the ability to be spirit warriors. So, what's made up here? Basically much all of it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, right at the start, I I actually noticed right away that she says... Uh, in the beginning, the tribe settled in this harbor and became skilled shipbuilders and fishermen. And I thought that was sort of odd that she said that they settled in this harbor. And based on, on what I have learned, that is in fact strange, like a weird way to put it, because according to the Quileu legends, they were created in this place. Like this is where they always, right. they didn't come from somewhere else. They right. were created in this place. <clears throat> And their origin story, as best like I can tell it, is that they were created by this force called the Transformer or the Changer. I think. I mean, known as Quati. Quati. Um, and they were there were two wolves in this place, um, and those two wolves were transformed into people 
by Kwati, and those two people were the start of the Quileute people. And there were other other animals that became people and became the Quileutes, um, but like their lineage that they talk about, their story that they talk about is those two wolves. So they do, the tribe does relate to wolves, you know, as an animal from their background, but it was never like a werewolf transforming back and forth situation. Right. Um, and there's also like other things that are important to the tribe other than wolves. Like they're very much people on the coast. So they have a lot of stories about other coastal animals and like salmon fish. Yeah. There's like salmon in the area and fishing and clamming and, um, whaling and sealing is also part of their histories. So wolves are like a piece of their history, but they're not the whole thing. And the spirit warrior piece of it is all made up. Like the werewolf transformation situation is all made up. Like pretty much all of this is totally made up. I think it's worth mentioning about Kwati that um, some writings about the Stephanie Meyer story trying to be like, let's tell the real Quileute story are like, and there was this like trickster spirit, Kwati, but um, that is not an accurate like representation of Kwati. Um, and the idea, as I understand it, and again, this would be better coming from a Quileute person, so go go investigating. Is it like the creator sent Kwati to like transform different things on Earth mm-hmm. into? other things yeah and the quileute story is part of the story of of many peoples along that whole coast that kwati transformed and generated and like gave all of the things that they needed for them like all the salmon and the trees and um so they're like part of this bigger context of the other peoples along the coast which Which stephanie mentions a couple of them but in a very different, like, just a, like, there were other tribes that we were fighting against, and they were these peoples. But, like, the origin stories that I was listening to, like, those peoples are also part of that same origin story coming from Kwati. Yes. Which is interesting. So that's, like, that's like that's the compare and contrast. Like, the compare and contrast is, like, there are wolves involved. <laughs> I... I did want to talk about something and that, you know, when we first read Twilight, um, Jacob talks about how his tribe has had relation with with the whole idea of vampires. And he's like, oh, but it's made up. Oh, right. And so we at the time were like, oh, well, you know, Stephanie did do some research because the Quileute people do have this history with wolves um, it is being related to something that is totally made up, as in vampires. But, like, the way that she's kind of going about it here is tying in, you know, the regional people and in a way that can be fantastical. And I think that now that we're in the third book, though, I don't know if... Could she have gone about this? in a more respectful way, but still keeping it like a fantasy series is what I want to know. Like that we talked about making up a tribe completely right, is arguably right. worse. Right. But like also love representation. Mm-hmm. So like what, 
at this point in the story, as you know, we get deeper into vampires and just stuff that's not real, is it like, okay, well, we want to stop short of completely making up, like, their history. Yeah, I don't know if there's a way, like... Maybe it would feel less disrespectful if it was more recent stuff that she made up. But I also, like, I don't know if there's any way to make stuff up and, you know, not disrespect these real people. Right. I don't know if there's, like, a perfect way to do it, but I think... That I've kind of come around on the inventing a new tribe front. Mm. Like maybe um, that's I not have enjoyed worse. the Peacock series, Rutherford Falls, um, <laughs> which does involve a tribe that is like created, it's fictional. Mm. Um, and I'm kind of at a point now where I feel like that's a good way to stand in for many groups of people without mm. actually speaking for them right you know like it's a metaphor it's a way to explore these ideas right because i don't know if that's that stephanie is not a member of the community and it it would be totally different you know if she were like yeah definitely because she Um, just doesn't she doesn't know what she's rewriting you know like if a quilly member wanted to write a fantasy series and change their own origin stories like, I would feel totally differently about that because they would know what they were working with. Right. But Stephanie, like, outside of all these origin stories that she changes, like, also just depicts the indigenous characters in this book in very stereotypical yeah. ways. Like, there are issues, there are many issues with the representation of them outside of changing their origin right. stories. I think one thing she could do could have done to mitigate harm would be as simple as like an author's note true right like i mean like here's what i did the vibe of here's what i made up fantasy but yeah like yeah that's true like then at least you have the amount of information that we are giving you right now which is like not that much information but at least it's like okay this isn't true and i could go find out what they really believe and, you know, maybe then people wouldn't call in to the Quileute Council and be like, where does Jacob hey, live? Jacob <laughs> because they would go into it being like, oh, Stephanie Meyer told me what parts of this I shouldn't That's like next level, know are real. Like, <laughs> like, even reading this book, you could be like, oh, I assume she did not write about a real child named Jacob Black who isn't really a werewolf in real life, but she made him a werewolf in this book but also not realize that when she presented these origin stories as real that they're not it's what the tribe actually says she does she like forks the lines are blurry this is a real place she talks about the high school that right, outdoor right. store you know it is hard to be like okay which aspects of the things that stephanie's really pulling from are that's what an author's notice for. right exactly <laughs> i think it is fair to also add that when she wrote twilight she didn't know that there was gonna be a movie and so now <laughs> you can like you know go to forks and right. it's like here's the house that this we use Bella's for the exterior right. shots or like interior shots or whatever blurrier. it was that they used an outside true you it's know, true a house for it's true um <laughs> like you cannot go to la push 
and be like, here is the house that we used for Jacob. Because, no, that's not there. That's not like that. Um, but you can go to First Beach, and I, like, look yeah. up how beautiful it is, and it it's... is unreal. You guys, they have, like, these fancy cabins, and I think that we should Ooh, go and rent nice. a cabin oh God, together. Yes. It looks so be beautiful. Cool. Listeners, there's, like, a webcam um, like a live feed that you can watch the beach. Oh my um, god! Wow, it's, it's pretty cool. That's why I recommend that. Um. Okay. Oh, they do like mention that the way you look as a person kind of mirrors your wolf self. Ooh, right. They just throw yeah. that tidbit in there. Okay. Yeah. Then we get the story of the third wife's sacrifice. Of course, we don't get her name. No. This whole time she has no name. This whole story that's about no her. Name. It's very, she's, um, she's the hero. She's the hero of this whole story. She doesn't know right. Oh, am I doing it? I'll, I'll knock your provisional eight down <laughs> if you don't do the second story. Um, <laughs> bad guys come, and Taha Aki has grown old at this point because. He want, He just loves his third wife so much that he was like, fuck those first two wives, I'm going to grow old with this Is one. It's implied that he's imprinted, I think. Oh, I guess. Um, wow, I did not get that, but me you're neither. right. I think that's what <laughs> you're saying. Right. That would make sense. You should knock a point off for me not understanding <laughs> that point. I didn't either, um, so I'm not knocking your points. <laughs> and, but his sons are still wolves, and so vampires show up, and they don't know they're vampires yet, but they're following the smell. Stuff happens, okay? And then vampires come to town <laughs> to get revenge because one of the wolves kills one of the vampires. Um, and Taha Aki watches this, like, weird vampire lady start to kill his son. And he's like, no. And so he turns back into a wolf for the first time in a long time. And he's all wizened with age. He's and angry. the wife... Yeah, because he's ooh, so mad. Angry. Um, and the wife is like... Oh, hell no. I just watched my son die. There's no way I'm going to watch my husband die, too. And she's like, hold up. These things love blood. What can and my so she like, weak little human do? Yeah, so she, like, runs up and stabs herself. And, like, the blood the spurts between her fingers. It's, like, a pretty graphic um, I'd description. I argue she didn't need to stab herself in the heart. But we can yeah, I wonder if she could have, <laughs> like, fucking done point. less blood. She could have yeah, just, like, cut, just her like arm. cut her arm. Yeah. Like, start there. I mean, she didn't know that. It was the second Even cut second off her hand. But Stephanie knew. She <laughs> cut off her hand. It's a lot of blood. But, you know, it's fine. Anyway, smelling the blood distracts the vampire and allows a wolf to kill the vampire. And so the third wife dies, but successfully saves her husband, um, Taha Aki, who is so bereft that he, like, takes to the forest, never to turn into his man form again. And I think an important point is that they do have children who are boys who are not yet shapeshifters but because of this incident how mad they how got mad they get great they point became wolves yes. prematurely yes the other point to make is that the first vampire that they kill um they like tear it apart and bring it back to the oh. village to be like <laughs> oh, hey look so at this much i should have just this. had melissa do it because i get no this. points for that 
gross, cold, sweet-smelling, gross thing that I killed, and then it starts to put itself back together. So they're like, "Oh fuck!" And then they burn it, and then they spread it all around. But Taha Aki puts a little bit in a bag that he wears around his neck so that he'll know if it ever tries to put itself back together again. And then Billy pulls out a little small black bag (laughs) that looks really old. And then everybody gasps and then they just continue on with the story. (laughs) If I were Billy, I would be like, yeah, no, it's not. Obviously the real one was lost to time. This is a dramatic effect. I'm hilarious. Couldn't get out of the fact that, like, they invited Bella to this. Yeah, and, why like, is Bella invited? Bella is, like, very much, like, everyone is aware that she's in love with some vampires. And Billy's like, look at this bag of dead vampire that I keep around myself constantly so that we know when the motherfucker tries to put himself back together. The whole like point of this story is like look at how depraved vampires inherently are. They are inherently evil. They're disgusting. They can they defy death. They're so repulsive. We hate them so much. They're our mortal enemies. And it's like, Bella is there. (laughs) And it's funny because they do, they do eventually make a point. They're like, then this big coven comes and like, I guess they're all right because they have gold eyes. And, you know, as far as we know, they're not killing anyone. But like, I don't know. Still, still sus. (laughs) Yeah. I have to um, say, having not remembered this, like, TBH <laughs> listeners, I, I didn't remember this whole story, of, no. this whole chapter full of stories. No. And I do, like, the way that they discuss the werewolves in other parts of this book is a lot more like, it's the vampire's fault, and the only reason that they're vampires, the only reason that they're werewolves is because the vampires exist. But that's not how it starts out. No. Like, the spirit warriors piece right. of the they story has nothing around. to do with... The werewolves they were already werewolves and then like when there's extra danger there's they more can, werewolves they can do it earlier but they it's can not do it. and like even the story that's like oh the younger ones who hadn't transformed yet were so filled with rage which like side note that that's loaded and problematic but it's mm-hmm. not like oh there were vampires it was like oh they were so mad about seeing their father being murdered that they became werewolves so it's like less about the vampires than and also now more oh the problem is your inherent rage yeah the reason that you're miserable now is because you're just controlled by your rage you can't do anything about it like no which plays into stereotypes about violent and angry brown people yes i wonder so, like, the first, you know, like, wolf man was through, like, that happened fully unrelated Spirit to vampires, as we've said. Right. And then it's passed along through sons, like, lineage. Mm-hmm. Right. I wonder why they lost the ability to transform into wolves right. without between, vampires around. In between the Cullens being... Right. That's true. That makes no sense. Yeah, they say, like, you know, we kind of lost that ability with the exception of when a cold one would come through and then we'd have, like, a small group and then 
the Cullens came and there were so many that now we have like a really big. Okay, here's group. my like devil's advocate. I'll just <laughs> make an argument so that one of us makes an argument. Maybe like the werewolves protect against like physical threats, right? Because like their powers are physical protection. And so like historically there were physical threats to the tribe. But in our modern times, the only physical predator that is a threat to the tribe is vampires. I I would follow that because I was thinking like, (laughs) well, it does have to be some kind of like physical impetus because there are so many like existential threats. Right. That are, you know, never ending. Including like the white man. (laughs) Yeah, like... (laughs) Ca- there's the no onslaught of capitalism. There, there's no story <laughs> There's no compare and contrast to be made with this story because it's just complete. It, right. It's you based know, on nothing. That... So, I, like, I have nothing to tell you that is what the Quileutes right. actually think because they don't have cold ones Because there's no in vampires. their histories. They don't have vampires. Like, this is all just totally made up. Right. Um, they do mention, I thought this was kind of funny, when the, like, vampire woman comes to the tribe seeking revenge, they do make a point to talk about how she was still just so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, she was disgusting and smelled terrible, and we hate her, but God, she was hot. (laughs) (laughs) So really, the point of this story is for Bella to feel better about herself, because she comes out of all of this and is like, oh, the hero of this story, who she notes, I really wish that they remembered her name, which they did not. Um, but the hero yeah. of this story is just a normal little human woman. Right. And so, like, I too am surrounded by supernatural beings who I feel powerless to help. But, oh, look at that. There is a way that I can save them all and it may or may not be killing myself. Right. Like, I feel like she, she leaps and bounds over the fact that, sure, this woman is the hero. Also, she's human. She didn't need to be anyone else to be the hero. Also, let's please note that she did not need to kill herself to be the hero. I think that's a great fucking point. <laughs> um, that is just how the story has been written. Think think um. harder, folks. <laughs> think easier. But- Right, and but Bella doesn't necessarily come to the conclusion that, oh, I don't need to be a vampire in order to be the hero of You're the right. story. She does not. She complete goes way, way, way by it. Wow, that's really amazing. Because she really considers herself someone with, like, amazing, like, literary analysis skills. <laughs> and she goes ahead and applies it to her own life. But did not make that very obvious connection. She even has a dream about it. She has a literal dream in which Rosalie is the evil vampire. Yep. And and she's holding a knife. And then she wakes up and she was like, man, that was a weird dream. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We should probably talk a little bit about when the Collins arrive. Oh, you mean in the past? Yeah, in the past. Sure. Um, so they say, like, you know, a bigger coven came, and they were so different. They had yellow eyes. And I just want to mention this because I'm I'm on a roll with this, even though I'm tired of talking about it. The wolves were outnumbered. There was no need for the cold ones to offer a treaty when they could have won the fight, Ephraim accepted. So it's saying, like, 
the Collins are the ones that that offered the treaty in the first place. Right. Which I don't know if I knew that previously, as opposed to them, like, I guess I had assumed that they mutually came to this conclusion. Right, I think I assumed that because the werewolves are the only ones who can necessarily kill the Cullens, like, in this, right. in this section, it's very much right. implied, like, oh, the werewolves were outnumbered, there's no way they would have won, but that's not necessarily how it's framed previously. It's like, oh, well, we actually... Right. They are a threat to us. <laughs> right. Like, the Cullens just normally show up in a place and just don't kill anybody, and that's that, and there's no treaty with anyone. So the only reason to ex- to extend, but really, like, request a treaty is because they do think the wolves are a threat. Right. And so they're like, hey... What if we made a treaty because we promise not to kill anybody and, like, we realize that you might not believe us. And also, you guys look like you kind of want to just kill us right now. Right. And, like, <laughs> you would probably kill other vampires if other vampires showed up here. So, so what if we made a treaty? I don't know if I'm, if I'm like, buying that fully. I think I'm kind of seeing it as them, like... This would be such good outtake for Stephanie to write. You know how her website is full of outtakes? Like, mm-hmm. take us back there. Let's just see what happened. Um, I'm already confused. Like, I don't even want to read it. I'm we're pretty confused. We show up. We're like, oh, damn, look at you guys. You want us to leave. And we don't want, we're not gonna go. But, like, right. if it'll make you feel better, we'll, we'll offer this treaty, treaty with you. Right. Yeah, I believe that. I mean, yeah, I, I I, definitely think that at this point, Carla will be like, listen, whatever makes you guys feel better. We're not going to, we're not going right. to kill you. Like, you said, That's don't totally worry about the us. Carlisle vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so then she falls asleep. <laughs> I was like, girlfriend, are you catatonic right now? I'm like, you know, what's happening? Exciting stuff. <laughs> and Jacob even mentions it's not even midnight. I was like, how did you fall asleep? Like, <laughs> she's like so much to think about. She's literally thinking about this legend and how... Yeah, the third wife. Right, the third wife. And is a human woman who didn't have any gifts or powers. It's like the savior. And she's like... She just falls asleep. I'm in Jacob's car. <laughs> I'm like, it's what so do you funny. mean? Like, can you, you, it's pretty hard to, like, fall asleep so deeply when you're, like, sitting up and leaning on somebody to, like, not be awoken when you are picked up and moved. Right. And then driven. Like, they're already there, too. And you know Jacob, like, lovingly put her seatbelt on. (laughs) (laughs) I can believe that you pretend to be asleep that whole time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if you don't want to walk. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. If I was like, oh, I want this very handsome person to pick me up and carry me to my car, then yeah, you pretend to be asleep. So he drives her back. Edward picks her up. Um, Charlie doesn't care that she was out really late and fell asleep and came home. We just had to put that in there. Because uh, Jacob called. And... BT dubs. Charlie's not mad. Um, she looks <laughs> out the rainy worried. window and Edward is there. And then she falls asleep, has this dream about Rosalie. And when she wakes up, Edward is reading Wuthering Heights, which I just wanted to get in here. You know, whatever. Weird. It's cute that he reads this book because Bella likes this book. I hate that Bella likes this book. And wouldn't it take him, like, 
half an hour tops to read this book. Oh, yeah. Seconds from Midnight Sun. <laughs> it was like I flipped through it. How long is she in the shower in Midnight Sun when he reads like 186 pages? Right. Five minutes? Ten minutes? And, and of note, <laughs> Edward mentions that he sympathizes with Heathcliff. Listeners, if you don't know, Heathcliff fucking sucks. <laughs> Heathcliff is the absolute god awful worst. Wuthering Heights. Here's what I. Here's my Cl- Wuthering Heights cliff notes from what I remember from reading it, like approximately ten years ago. Heathcliff and Catherine are two toxic people who enter <laughs> a toxic relationship with each other, are toxic, and then end up together in a toxic way. That's all I remember. <laughs> and. When Bella eventually actually wakes up the next day, the book is still open on a particular part of Wuthering Heights that also when this is a big part of Wuthering Heights that they included in here. I was like, what are the copyright of this? I meant to Google if this was in the public domain. I'm sure it is. It's very old. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a big, big chunk. Anything over a hundred years old, I believe. Or it's right. something, 92 years. It's something strange. Right. So. Uh, the, you can just like, print. So it is actually a surprisingly long extract of Wuthering Heights. Right. And I remember thinking like, damn, Stephanie must really love this book to like <laughs> have remembered this one passage. <laughs> right. I mean, do we want to read it? Is it Should worth Should I read reading? the whole thing? Um, it's okay, kind of this hard is, to pick out. I think I might be able to do it. So Heathcliff is speaking about. Somebody, he's talking about Catherine, although it doesn't say her name. I'm pretty sure this is Catherine. Catherine has this other person that he hates. And Heathcliff says, I never would have banished him from her society as long as she desired his. The moment her regard ceased, I would have torn his heart out and drank his blood. But till then, if you don't believe me, you don't know me. Till then, I would have died by inches before I touched a single hair of his head so this is a very very straightforward analogy <laughs> bella and olivia's excellently read yeah, that was excellent great job uh, the person that she likes but heathcliff hates is jacob and edward is heathcliff which we've already helpfully been told right Several and i'm like times. okay so are we supposed to read this as like foreshadowing of like oh edward wouldn't actually ever hurt jacob but it would be to. It would be foreshadowing if we didn't already know all of this about Edward. Edward has already right. told us that right. he would love to tear out Jacob's heart. Oh, yeah. But since Bella likes him, he's not going to. This is like it's just an unnecessary illusion that we, we don't already need to hit know again. all this information. Right. I here's what I like about it. <laughs> I enjoy the narrative of like edward going to pick bella up from hanging out with her friend essentially and then edward lying in bed as bella like peacefully sleeps next to him peacefully as far as he knows having just hung out with her other boyfriend and edward tortured (laughs) is like thinking about heathcliff and reflecting upon the fact that no matter how much he, he wants says to he sympathizes he can't like, hurt I get it. jacob I get right. it. he's like Ooh, tonight <laughs> in particular i'm really feeling it to right. the point that even though i of course have this memorized because of my vampire brain i want to look at it on the page right <laughs> and then leave it open and bella of course is like Oh, that's a weird part for him to have 
left off and kept reading. And I'm she's so fucking confused. She's so confused, guys. She doesn't. She's like, how could Edward possibly sympathize right. with Heathcliff? That surely I must have dreamt that Edward said anything positive about right. Heathcliff. And this page was probably not the page he'd right. been reading. It First of all, open. he read every single page because he could right. read in like lightning fast. The book could have fallen open to any page. This is the most straightforward. Like, so stupid. <laughs> like, and like, f- as far as like sympathetic Heathcliff extracts go, this is probably the tops. Like, Heathcliff is saying he's not going to tear right. this guy's heart out. Because he's doing great. She loves him and whatever. Like, great. He's considering her feelings. So, oh my God, I would feel amazing if someone said like, this about right. me. Oh, good. Edward doesn't want to tear Jacob's heart out. That's great news. Like, he wants no, it's to, that but he's he not wants going to. He wants to, but he's not going to. With a hatred that turns his life to gall. It's like, ooh, if somebody hated somebody that much, but, like, wouldn't do anything because they just love me so much, I'd be like, hey, I think oh my God. Stephanie was just like, Listen, there's a section in Wuthering Heights in which Edward is definitely Heathcliff and Jacob is definitely this other guy. And then Heathcliff makes an allusion to drinking blood. We have to have this in the book. I wondered if this was like a fan influence. (laughs) If like a fan wrote in, like, Like I read Wuthering Heights after reading Twilight and this like really- Hey look, he wants to drink his blood. I don't know. I mean, Stephanie has to like know this book very well to have chosen it as Bella's favorite book to start with. And of course, when we make uh, literary allusions in the series, we have to be hit over head with them. We have to; they have to be explained to us. They have to be right. very multiple obvious. Multiple explained. times, you know, in the Romeo ways. and Juliet thing, <laughs> the Wuthering Heights thing. Anyway, wow. that's the chapter. That's, a, that's, a, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah. Okay, I have my worst sentence queued up. Oh, fuck! I forgot about. Did that you forget about best part. sentence, worst sentence? Yeah. I did. Yeah, I was like, because we gotta I'm... end on something funny before it's yeah, over. Yeah, because best I forgot sentence, about best sentence, worst sentence. Okay, I have it queued up. This is when Bella wakes up in Jacob's car. Oh crap! I gasped as I realized that I had fallen asleep. How late is it? Dang it! Where's that stupid phone? <laughs> It's just too many in a row, you know? And it's so, like, old person frustrated with technology. (laughs) Where's the darned thing? I mean, my worst sentence is going to be, I have obviously many. Um, But this, because we didn't really get into it too much, but describing these pieces of vampire... The two pieces touched when the elders poked them with sticks, and the hand reached out towards the arm piece, trying to reassemble itself. I and can't just... believe we didn't talk about that. <laughs> and I'm like, how? It, what, what brain? What, what neural activity is happening? What is going on here in which the hand piece is going over and reaching for an arm piece it's and it's just going to reassemble it's itself? Magic. Look, here's the thing. It's going to glue just, like, I'm fine never. with this one. I'm yeah. fine with the reaching for it because I'm like, you know what? It's magic. But you have made a point to impress upon us how they do not grow or change. So once it gets there, so like, what what's it going to do? Yeah, like what? How's the it going to 
Oh, intriguing. They don't heal fast because they are not. Because they, they don't heal. Don't get hurt. <laughs> this feels very obvious, and I don't know the answer. If something can penetrate their skin, do they heal immediately or not? I think like if another vampire like takes a chunk out of you, you are just missing that chunk. You're just missing it. I think they heal. I think it's gone. You never see a vampire walking around with chunks. Jasper has scars. True, but, you know, it's never really implied that anything has been able to take a chunk out of him. I feel like the wolves can, like, right, the like wolves clearly, their the teeth, wolves can... It, their teeth can penetrate right. the flesh, but it's right. never, we've never seen... A uh, wolf vampire get in and not kill one full. We have it. to be remembering something, forgetting something very obvious. People well, write listeners, in. if you know, let it, let us know. Write in. I mean, it it makes sense that they would have some form of healing because they're very yeah. much like you have to tear the vampire apart, cut off its head, and then burn everything, implying right. that it's heal. not it's not dead until you do that, and so. But it makes sense for them to have healing because they're, like, magical and strong. Right. But I feel like they make such a point to tell us that they d- are unchangeable. Right. Like, well, sure. It doesn't you know, really jive, And, the, and but... pieces of themselves can just glue themselves back together and make a vampire again. <laughs> or they can't glue back together, so they just kind of, like, get themselves into a pile. They just, like, kind of get themselves into, like, a shape of a vampire. <laughs> and then start puzzling back together. Um, I have my worst sentence, and I'm mad because I found this to be really beautifully written, mm. and I thought it was a beautiful image, mm. um, but also I resent that Stephanie made me feel feel that way about something that was problematic and Mm. also there's like some weird gender stuff in it that i don't enjoy so here's the sentence i thought Um, i knew what you were gonna talk about but now i don't (laughs) this is from the the like first story of spirit warriors okay their women watched over the bodies and the waves and the men took their spirits back to our harbor so, that like, the sentence. warriors' wives, their women, watched over them and the waves, and the men returned to the harbor. That's a beautiful, like... It's pretty. Re- yeah, it's pretty. It's got a nice rhythm sentence. to it, but I resent it. <laughs> um, here's my best. This is when Billy first starts telling stories. The words poured out with precision as if he knew them by heart, but also with feeling and a subtle rhythm, like poetry performed by its author. I knew exactly what she meant. True. I can hear it. Um, my best sentence is a little bit before that. The fire crackled, settling lower towards the sand. Sparks blew up in a sudden puff of brilliant orange against the black sky. She's good at descriptions. She really is. Yeah. Sometimes it's like I don't know. Like, should we? Do we just like? Do we just like descriptions? Should like, we, do just, we just like have her write hers a are book really good. of descriptions? She's good at them. <laughs> She's good at it. Maybe we need, like, a description-only book from her. That'll be the most boring <laughs> shit I've ever read. so boring. I hate just it. Just describe the, the real things. I don't know. <laughs> like, you're saying that she should write, like, travel guides. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> this is a very effective travel I mean, guide to Forks and La Push. Yeah. 
it as evidenced by how there. many people go there still. Still. So she wrote an extremely effective travel guide. <laughs> it's true. We never talk about that. She's going to travel right. <laughs> this is a story for another day, but I read an article that was like, yeah, um, lots of Twilight fans flock to La Push, but Stephanie didn't talk about all the land devastation and like clear cutting. So they get there and there's lots of like horrifying fields of cut down trees. And it's like very mm. upsetting. Oh, um, we, I'm realizing we didn't talk about how Billy is over and over again described in these terms as if he's, like, magical, um, and that is also True. a stereotype and Sage a problem. Um, and we're out of time, but, like, you know, acknowledged. And why um, we did figure out, like, a, like he's in his 40s, maybe. <gasps> I forgot. Oh, he yeah. always seems so like, fucking he's not, old. He's not a grandpa. <laughs> he always seems, like, 70 when she yeah. describes him. I think that they might even be described as elders at one point. Oh, yeah. They are described as elders, but, like, in a tribal way, which I might be kind of legit, but I'm not really sure, to be honest. I don't know what, how the word elder is used. Right. I thought, and I am also not sure, but I thought it was, like, a literal elder, and it's a position of particular respect because you're you're older and anyway yeah, but okay. i don't know like what it really is yeah we're but out there's, of time there's there's one part where bella says that because sam twisted just slightly so that he was facing the same direction as old quill that certainly she realized that the elders of the council here were not three but four number as in sam is also a quote-unquote elder got the point about sam but like also the council is like a real thing the council has positions and elected right they're not just uh, they're not just like people who know stuff right yeah that's separate um so i do have my best sentence it's hey vampire girl I really enjoyed that Embry did not give a shit. Right. Um, yep. That he's like, that's my friend who likes vampires. Yeah, there she <laughs> is. We're all um, who we bless. are. I like it. Listeners, email us with questions, comments, whether you eat chicken bones. And also there oh, was definitely great. something else that we told you to email about that I If forget. you know about vampire healing. Oh, yeah. Also that. Oh, yeah. At twilightfacepodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us, check out patreon.com slash twilightfacepodcast. Thank you to our patrons, Melina, Bridget, Eric, Samantha, Aaron, Karen, Ed, Bailey, Laura, Andrea, Lemi, James, Melissa, and Audrey. Thank you so much. You can follow us at twilight underscore phase on Twitter and Insta and twilightfacepodcast on Tumblr. Disclaimer, we own nothing. The Twilight Universe and all characters belong only to Stephanie Meyer and the Quileutes belong to the the, Quileutes. The story that she made up, though, though, that's Stephanie. That story is hers and the Quileutes story is the Quileutes. Please don't sue us. Audio editing by Melissa Shermer. Cover image by Laura Shermer. Our theme music is written and performed by Adrian Mooring. We'll be back next week. And if you don't like it, you can bite me. Get out of here. Bite my ass. <laughs> Someone better fucking write in and say that they chicken bones. I'm just saying. <laughs>